Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of Boxes and Lines. Welcome to Boxes and Lines. There he is goes. That's the part you told me to just let roll. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that the part. The, that is the part. This hey, is a, this I just had to, I had to try the accent in our fancy new equipment. Run and that's set up true. all of this, this cool new equipment, and I... Well, this is actually our first podcast back with a live guest... And our live guest today is Dave Olson from Jump Trading. He's a, president and CIO. Our dead guests, uh, Dave is definitely. Uh, We're gonna edit that out. So far, okay, right, yeah. fucking clown. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Dave is the first guest who's come in to intimidate me with the voice of a 1960s disc jockey. So everybody enjoy the smooth talking of Dave as we talk crypto and the Pith Network. Welcome, we'll have to Dave. Hear this late at night. <laughs> yes. And we've got yes. sound effects too. So yes, this this must be put on at 8 p.m. or later because that's late for mm-hmm. John. Yeah. Anyway, Dave, welcome. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate having you here. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. <laughs> I'm sure you're starting to regret it already. But we're, <laughs> we're very happy to have you. Anyway, we're going to we're gonna jump right into this, right? Because obviously um, we put out a press release and we, we being IEX, have joined the Pith Network. But Dave, you're uh, you know, a, a spokesperson for the Pith Network, it seems. I've heard you on other podcasts and I've seen you in articles. And we thought we'd start with a very basic question like, what is Pith, Pith Network, and what's the goal and the purpose of it? For those of you at home, spelled P-Y-T-H, if you want to Google it. We'll also right. edit that out, everybody. Oh, no, we will not. Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> yeah, so the, the Pith Network is an oracle, uh, and it's basically a mechanism to get data that exists in financial markets or really anywhere off blockchain into a format that can be consumed on-chain. So... Smart contracts have been pioneered the last few years. Um, They're fantastic. We've got a lot of conviction in what they're going to do to finance and to medical records, you name it. Uh, But they're just code. So you've got decentralized computers running code that is executing commands that everybody can see transparently. Um, That's great. But the thing they lack is some data for something that's happening after the code was written. So Pith is a way to get high fidelity market data into blockchain format that smart contracts can consume. So we'll get into some of the contributors, but uh, just for our guests and particularly John and I, because we don't know much about <laughs> all of this stuff. Like I, I understand what an oracle is, but- um, I understand what an oracle is. Maybe if we could explain, like, so for, in terms of a smart contract, someone might want to trade uh, a derivative of a U.S. equity or a straight-up U.S. equity, like a, a symbol like Tesla seems to be like a popular one. And a smart contract that's trading Tesla on a blockchain needs to see, or, you know, PIT provides um, institutional-grade quoting, meaning fast quoting, accurate pricing, so that the price at which the smart contract trades is more accurate than you would say existed before something like Pith was launched. Is, is that is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, whether it's a smart contract trading a U.S. equity or crypto or foreign exchange or the price of a precious metal um, or building a portfolio or an index, uh, it needs that raw material, that data to say, okay, well, what's the payout or what's the closeout amount for something that got staked that people were borrowing against? Uh, we've seen a huge amount of development power go into building these so-called dApps. You can almost think of it like a widget on your iPhone that can interact with the blockchain data, uh, run on these nodes autonomously in a completely global, decentralized way, but then listen for an event. Um, So that could be a price update to a stock or 
uh, a, a new high or a closeout amount in Bitcoin or Ether or any other product. And is this something that the, the industry, when I say the industry, even our industry calls for, right? So Dave, as I said, is the president of Jump Trading, very sophisticated trading firm. What Was there a frustration on your guys' behalf or you know, other folks uh, in the industry when they're trying to trade these type of products that the, that the pricing wasn't accurate or uh, I, I guess, yeah, what, what wasn't accurate wasn't as real time? I'd say less of a frustration with any trading that we're doing and more uh, we sat back and we looked at the way the ecosystem was developing and uh, the promise that DeFi has and the ability to kind of break into subcomponents each of the pieces of a financial transaction or a financial model uh, and thought, well, you know, what are the existing capabilities for moving data that's off chain onto the blockchain? Uh, and we thought, well, like in the business in traditional finance that we trade in, uh, it's always a mistake to not go straight to the end game. So if you've got a faster, smarter way to do something, the market's going to gravitate there. Yep. And we looked out and we surveyed the landscape. A lot of smart contracts uh, and a huge, vibrant community is on uh, the Ethereum network. And the Ethereum network has got a lot of advantages. Uh, but a couple of the disadvantages are it's got a limited bandwidth per block. So you can, you can include 10 to 15 transactions per block on Ethereum. Uh, it's also can be pretty expensive. If a lot of people are trying to do transactions, that price gets bid up. So the next block can be tens or even hundreds of dollars to, to get your transaction in there. Uh, and that means that the frequency of update is slow and the expense of trying to provide data on chain is, is pretty high. Uh, that's when we canvassed the market and saw what Solana was building and thought this is a terrific match for really available, really precise, multi-contributor quotes that are coming from the primary source. That's a really key That's the key, element. yeah. So when, when we're involved in a transaction, let's say that we trade Bitcoin, or we trade Tesla, or we trade gold, that fill is our data alone. So we know that we traded Bitcoin at $65,000. We can use that to update a value on chain that in the next block, in the next 400 milliseconds, uh, we're going to tell you that our value point for for Bitcoin is $65,000. We're also going to tell you a confidence interval uh, our degree of precision around that value that we're quoting. Uh, and then all of the contributors that are there along with us contributed in, in real time. That gets arbitrated in the same block, and then a price goes out to the chain. So the, so the thought is, like, obviously, Jump, again, ma- massive player in U.S. equities and, and basically everything, and many of the data contributors are. So you report, essentially, your last sale in... As, as close as the last sale was to you reporting it means you're more confident that that trade, uh, that that price that you're quoting is very accurate because you, you just traded at that price. Is that, is that, the, is that the skinny? But, well, we're definitely quoting yeah. the value that we think a stock or yep. uh, another instrument is worth at that moment in time. Yep. Uh, we do trade a lot. So we've got a lot of transaction history probably within that sub-second window. Oh, I see. And we can use that data to inform the value. Oh, we put okay. Up. So, Dave, the quotes that you provide, um, 
it's not just your last sale. So it's last sale is a is a obviously if it was a very recent last sale is a big contributing factor to what you think the price the quote might be or the price might be. That's right. Yeah, pith is not a, a it, not a tape. It's not a transaction record of of trades that happened. Uh, it's an opportunity every every subsequent window, every roughly half second for each contributor to say, based on everything that I know, the value of this symbol is X, and I'm confident within a range of Y around that. So clearly the confidence level of the people who are using this conf- uh, the, these contracts depends upon their degree of confidence in the data sources, um, and uh, so IEX is one of those. Clearly you've um, determined that IEX is a very trusted well, each data contributor source. is using their own data source. They well, are the data source. They are the oracle. <laughs> <laughs> There's a really cool yeah. thing that you guys can do that we can't, though, uh, yeah. which I know this is a microstructure podcast. And yeah. this is People for love the microstructure this shit. nerds uh-huh. out there. This God is bless a really them. good one. Uh-huh. So it, it, we, we have a lot of systems and algorithms that we use to determine the price at which we want to buy or sell something. And the way market data agreements typically work in the industry is we can't tell anybody where we want to buy something or where we want to sell something because in part our process that we use to figure out where we want to buy was based on an input from someone that we've signed a legal agreement oh, with. Oh, is it derived data, is it considered? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So Boo. It, Boo. it as remarkable as it is, when we are willing to take risk, put our own capital on the line and say, we'll buy $100,000 worth of Tesla at this price, that has to be a secret. Um, we can't tell anyone else. We can't sell it, monetize it, nothing. But when we get filled, that's our intellectual property. That's I when see. we cross the transom mm-hmm. to say, okay, well, you just bought it. That's your trade. That's not derived by anything. That was a that was a fill in the market. So four symbols on Pith that they're maybe less liquid. We haven't observed a trade in a few blocks. You've got the bid and ask, and you can put the midpoint price out there, or you can derive your value, however your formula is going to do it, and the network's that much And if I, if I might say so myself, what more trusted source is there than IEX, which after all was founded for the purpose of creating a fair price and understanding of the fair price? Thank you, John. <laughs> DeFi EX. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. John the plug Ramsey. <laughs> Thank you. So And now we're back. <laughs> now, now we're back. So uh, we, we did our Google homework here, obviously, and we, we know there's been, um, I guess fr- fr- I can use frustration as it relates to uh, Bitcoin and that blockchain being slow and Ethereum is, a f- is faster, of course. And now Solana, which is who you and Pitt uh, chose to partner with, is much faster and we're talking about something like half a second like 400 milliseconds and i know in our space 400 milliseconds might as well be four months but 400 milliseconds to do what they're doing on a blockchain is pretty significant and pretty fast correct it's the fastest out there and i think in addition to the speed which is incredibly quick uh the bandwidth of being able to fit 50,000, 60,000 transactions in that block is the other really key piece of the Solana blockchain advantage relative to a lot of others out there right now and makes it really a good a good home base for a data oracle like Pith or a lot of other institutional grade kind of finance. So, so you said that when you're talking about Ethereum can do like 50 or something like that in a block. Um, this might be too wonky and we'll edit it out if it is, but I'm, I'm kind of curious what, what, what that means, right? So 
to to add a block uh why is the ability to add uh, more orders to an individual block an important thing? Well, it, it's quite. It, it, think of you're you're waiting in line at the airport and you want to take a uh, a bus to the city. Uh, if a bus pulls up and can take ten passengers, fine. If you're if you're front of the line, you get to go on that bus and you you make it faster. Uh, if a bus pulls up and it's the Solana bus and it can take fifty thousand people in I that see. packet. You you can just move that. So much it's like more. packet transfer on a network. I was yeah. just gonna say it's like packet transfer. You don't don't, don't believe me, but I'm, I I don't for a fucking I, second well, believe I, you. Well, I was believe everybody. I, I wrote I it on the it. twinkle in your eye. Before that's you said that's it. because exactly. I passed them a piece of paper that said it's just like <laughs> packet transfer on a network. That's bullshit. I'm sorry. No, I'm trying I, to help you out, man. I was thinking that. Get in anyway, the game. I am in the game. Uh, and well, anyway, Dave, that that bus size is also related to how much it costs because you're not going to have the incentive to bid up the gas to make it into the you know the next bus leaving the airport in my packet transfer nice. vehicle I love analogy. It. So, so it's, it's faster and cheaper. It critically affects the pace, uh, speed of transactions. That's right. Can do yeah. Cool. And the, and the accessibility. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know an interesting element though is uh, as for, for all the advantages Solana has, which you know appear to be durable. Uh, a huge part of the DeFi community is elsewhere. So it is not a single chain world, right? You've got Ethereum. My voice is changing. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> he stopped pointing his finger and he got all excited there. <laughs> this is not a single chain world. <laughs> I mean, there are a few Jeez. things that make me more excited. The, the, we won't get so, into those. So, you know, in, 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 the, in Ethereum, you've got, you know, a huge amount of activity being done in DeFi, in smart contracts. Uh, and if the data's on Pith, well, you know, Ethereum just has to come up with a different solution or, or figure something out. We are also partnering in an initiative called Wormhole, uh, which is a cross-chain data and value uh, redistribution mechanism. So it's a bridge be- from one chain to another. So data can be observed coming out of Solana, Pith data or any other data or a payment or an NFT or anything else. Uh, That data is locked, observed by guardians that attest to it, and then reappears on, let's say, the Ethereum network. So if you've written a smart contract on Ethereum, you could still access Pith data through Wormhole, even though Solana was, you know, Call it the home chain or the first chain that is there any uh, is there any um, latency or perceived negativity in the delay of seeing it but be, be, between you know Solana and its native chain if I'm talking shit not Dave <laughs> but uh, it certainly ver- sounds ver- like it to me <laughs> ver- versus like you're you're consummating a smart contract on Ethereum using data that's quoted on Pit uh, Pit data quoted on Solana. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, you still have to deal with the lower native resolution of Ethereum. So yep. you're, just because you're accessing Pith data... You still got to get on the little bus. But the you can still get the data as fast as Ethereum could process it. And if I you see. wanted to bump up the gas fee to pay for it to be quicker, you've got that choice to make. Um, and is this a first-time innovation? Are there other wormholes that are already in operation? There are there have been other attempts at cross-chain interoperability. 
uh, but none that have addressed the problem the way Wormhole has at this kind of scale. Um, mm -hmm. We're really excited about it. Uh, it's just launched within the last month uh, and is something that uh, that we think is going to be having applications as you know as new layer one protocols come out as new composability happens on each kind of microsystem uh, the the ability to communicate and transfer value uh, mm -hmm. you could pay somebody on a token that's only available on Solana wrapped into an ether contract and have it appear on a different network um, and is it is it just day one, not that I'm saying this is not impressive, is it just uh, Solana to Ethereum, or is the wormhole to X number of chains? There are about five chains that are uh, live today, uh, and it's just a matter of building out and, and prioritizing additional ones to come. So, so I, I guess, I mean, this might be a simple question, but I think those who listen and might not fully understand it, why is blockchain the right technology for this type of service for Pith. I, I understand it's all based on blockchain, but um, is it just that Pith was uh, just serving a need for people who are doing this on blockchain anyway, right? Yeah, that was the first use, which is you've got smart contracts definitionally on blockchain that needed to listen to something that was happening off-chain. So you had to... <laughs> that's, so you, that's a fresh can of lit liquidity being opened. That was not a sound effect. That, yeah, that, that was, was real life, I can attest to that. <laughs> Yeah, so you you had this on-chain problem that needed to be solved. So you know, using a using a blockchain solution for it is is really the only path. I think where it's going to get interesting is what data uses are there for Pith data that might not be blockchain based. Mm. You know, I I worked at a bank for a long time. I sat in a capital markets desk, and I needed I needed data when I was on the phone with a you know, treasurer of a company or colleague or something like that. I needed quote real time data. I oh, didn't need I didn't need machine grade real time, you know, cross connected, latency optimized data for my eyeballs. You know, yeah. I, I could just look at a screen and see it. But back then, and I think still largely now, you had the choice between paying the really high tariff to get real time data. Yeah, oh, or absolutely. or paying nothing and getting fifteen or twenty minute delay. Yeah, quotes. fifteen minute is still common. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. And so I think that you know, Pith Network right now is streaming the data live. Uh, it's updating two and a half times a second, couple times a second. That's way faster than you Google know, Finance or any of that type of stuff. Or that I could have you know any faster. I'm not going to be able to consume it with my brain. John and I are very fast. So. <laughs> you guys our, might. Our, yeah, our I brain know. sometimes. I probably so need much. it sub-second, but I, I get, for you people like you, Dave, it's great. right into it. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but, the, but, you know, is there, is there a future off-chain application for this kind of data? You know, it's a pretty powerful data set that, you know, over 30 folks have already announced themselves as contributing. I'll yeah, break a little bit of news for John. Yeah, that's podcast, yeah. I, I I know I know the secret. Oh, he he knows, but he wouldn't clue me in. So please, well, before Dave, let before me know. you break the news of the, the new contributor here, I I think it, it would be good to just name some of those the, the the larger firms that are in there, starting with IEX. Starting with IEX. Yeah, no, but the, there there are some massive. The most trusted data source in the <laughs> in the ecosystem. But yeah, and and then we'll do a drum roll at the end, and Dave's gonna uh, unveil live on this podcast that is probably two weeks delayed when you hear it. Yeah, you're already going to know and be bored by, <laughs> yeah. by the time yes, this podcast yes, yes, yes. is released. 
but for the four of us, uh, <laughs> yeah. it'll be it'll be news. No, it's it's been an incredible response. Um, you know, we could we could name everybody. I don't want to exclude anybody, uh, but the the momentum that we've gotten and the ability to have so many so many firms that are fiercely competing with each other in this marketplace join together to have a, a new data architecture and a new delivery method is really fun to yeah, be. Yeah, that part is of. that is pretty strange actually. And and it's funny, the, the, the crypto universe, even like the crypto exchanges, seem to sort of have this um, solidarity amongst one another. And it is strange I strange in a positive way. Uh, to see all the firms come together on Pith. I, I think it's pretty impressive. Yeah, I, and that's another element of, uh, of blockchain technology. It allows mutually distrusting parties to collaborate in a way. <laughs> it's true, it's I true. I mean, what am I doing in this yeah. office? Yeah. Well, yeah. but now you, you trust well, us, you, right? You and might not, you might not get out, Dave, just so you know. <laughs> that's, but that's a different matter, yes. <laughs> when but, this um, comes out two weeks from now, people are like, I haven't seen Dave in two right. weeks. That's weird. <laughs> Isn't that strange? We'll, we'll edit that part out so we don't get blamed. But what, you're, what you said did spark a thought for me, which is if you do uh, this in the right way with enough kind of like data sources, maybe it's a way of people ultimately avoiding some of the monopolistic exorbitant um, pricing by some exchanges who, we won't, who shall be nameless. Uh, in terms of uh, what they charge for marketing. We're being positive today. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the fact that DeFi and blockchain finance can put power back in the community is one of the most exciting things yes. for us uh, that, that we see out here. Um, really levels the playing field. I think, you know, global access to information. You know, if, if, you're, in, if you're in South America right now, it's not as easy to just rock up and get a brokerage account and trade U.S. equities. Um, the blockchain will enable a lot of reach and a lot of market segments that are having a difficult time accessing modern finance do it do it pretty easily sure so to, to put john out of his misery can dave can you uh, yeah, let please. us know tell, tell. The, the, <laughs> take my wife please <laughs> let us know the newest uh, data contributor on pith will be yeah, so uh, Two Sigma Securities is uh, announcing nice. uh, tomorrow as we tape this, they've given specific permission for us to, to record <laughs> wow. an embargo, yes. uh, the recording. Uh, this will not be out by then. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. a, it's, another, it's another great name in finance. Uh, Fantastic we're, we're name. We're extremely excited to have their, uh, their capabilities and their data set and their, their science mm -hmm. approach to markets. Uh, join the network. It's a it's a great affirmation. Of that's what, great. Awesome. So across the spectrum, you, you've had uh, I guess you call high frequency firms, exchanges, uh, hedge funds, uh, crypto companies like L Lmax, uh, Gemini. Are those considered crypto companies or? Yeah, I think Lmax I consider to be a, an exchange or a platform. Okay. They're streaming. Sorry, um, Lmax. No uh, offense intended. <laughs> they're 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 a terrific <laughs> contributor. Uh, yeah. it, both in foreign exchange uh, where they've got a. Uh, very big market share in probably the most uh, deterministic best tech in FX, uh, and then LMAX Digital, uh, where they've really become kind of the institutional marketplace for uh, for crypto. Okay, yeah, um, I think certainly I think tech. that's where my Google took me. LMAX Digital. Right. <laughs> yeah, they were they were in in early in our. our well, welcome to the party, Two Sigma. We at IX are very happy <laughs> yeah, to have you on board. We're delighted to have yeah. you on board. Yes. Um, uh, absolutely. So, Dave, let's pivot um, if we can now and talk about the dark side of crypto, or <laughs> maybe not the dark side, but at least. 
Uh, I, I like the way he set that question up. <laughs> I know. I now, David, thinking, let's I pivot. I've been thinking about it. No, but le- I, I wanted to get into um, some of the regulatory issues and regulatory questions. Um, uh, clearly, a lot of the stuff that's going on around um, uh, PITH is uh, exciting and innovative and constructive. Big picture in the crypto world, there's a lot of concerns about the proliferation of different kinds of cryptocurrencies and stable coins and... Um, and you know, Gary Gensler has raised a lot of concerns about um, that, that this is uh, growing in a way that provides uh, significant opportunity for fraud and perhaps manipulation um, and um, creates um, the, the potential for a lot of risk to investors. Um, do you have any thoughts about that in general and the, the sense to which um, is there a uh, room for at least some of this space becoming uh, uh, more regulated in a way that gives people more comfort on those issues? Yeah, well, a lot there. Uh, yeah. First thing I'd say is this industry is maturing very quickly. Uh, even in the last two or three years, a lot of the um, a lot of the kind of scam platforms and things like that have just been. Uh, uh, competed out of existence. Um, not sure how many hockey fans are listening to a microstructure equity uh, uh, oriented Gotta podcast. Gotta be a few. Gotta be you, a few. You might be surprised, but it's it's tough to have a goon on your roster in the NHL these days. Uh, <laughs> it's too the game's too fast. Uh, it, there's too much skill. Uh, you have somebody that just wants to fight on an NHL team. They're and, not okay with faces being smashed anymore. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna give up five points, ten points a year by not uh, by not putting the best team on the ice. So I think the I think the industry is maturing quickly. The institutions are coming in. Uh, it is it's growing up fast, uh, and I think that, uh, like a lot of other uh, parts of finance, uh, although there aren't the same kind of formal self-regulatory bodies uh, that you see in other markets, uh, those are gaining momentum, and those are happening in in certain quarters. Um, I I'd, I'd liken it to the early days of the internet. You know the uh, when when web browsers were first released, uh, a lot of people had a very pejorative view of like, well, listen, this is just for illicit activity or nonsense or cat photos or, or whatever. You know, where, where's the real industrial uh, build here? And, you know, meanwhile, you had Procter & Gamble, you know, spending time designing an a incredible website or Using them as an example, <laughs> don't actually know how how, how incredible their website how is. Prolific it was. It was great. Uh, but the um, I think the same things happening in crypto and and in DeFi in general is that you've got um, you've got grown ups that are now coming to the table. You still have that kind of pioneer spirit, uh, but uh, some of the more headline grabbing, sensational uh, elements that uh, that that might have been there uh, are are waning. So do you think that do you think there's n- no further role for uh, regu- uh, regulation in this space, or uh, you know, in in certain sectors, or where do you see the regulators um, having an appropriate role if you think they do? Yeah, I, I definitely think they do, and 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 it wouldn't matter if I didn't. They would. They certainly <laughs> would anyway. Yeah. Uh, I, I I take a slightly different view than than some. I think of the regulators as regulating finance. Uh, I think that the distinction or the semantics around, you know, one unit of risk being taken in one way versus another um, is is kind of small in thinking about it. And I think that, 
you know, whether it's here in the U.S., uh, the, the regulators have a mission to uphold, investor protection, you know, appropriate registration, appropriate disclosures. Um, that, that applies to, um, uh, you know, whether you pioneer and invent a new product, those same core principles are going to apply. It might take some uh, movement in the legislature to get those parameters exactly right. Uh, we had the chairman of the CFTC talking to the Ag Committee today and making specific asks around that. Uh, I think it's a matter of time between that, between now and when that format, you know, gets an appropriate structure uh, around some yeah. of the newer instruments. But it's. Yeah. It's it's the same stuff it's uh, it's ever been in a lot of ways. And there's some people who are saying that there should be maybe a whole new regulator for crypto, which frankly I think seems like a batshit crazy idea. But uh, but I don't mean to um, uh, don't mean to. That was a Dave's <laughs> idea. <laughs> I don't mean to don't mean to put words he, in your he's mouth. He's pointing on that again. One. He's pointing again. Yeah, but no. no. <laughs> um, no. Uh, I, you, but I, I, <laughs> you can offer a few if you want, but probably if I were you, I wouldn't. Um, John's a former SEC guy. Yeah, I'm going to pivot yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's a good, yeah. good answer. You, you just answer. pivoted him. Yeah. He's re-pivoting out. So, yeah. so on the pivot, I, I have a question for you. I, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm not sure to the extent you can answer this or what you think about this, but do you um, see a future of digital assets trading taking place on centralized exchanges or decentralized exchanges? And uh, what are the pros and cons of both? Yeah, I, look, I, no question both, uh, in my view. Um, you know, if, if you look at the foreign exchange market today, uh, that is like the Petri dish of market structure, where you didn't have a lot of top-down regulatory uh, requirements to trade foreign exchange in any certain way. And the, the market kind of just found its own level. And still today, 2021, You've got people trading big blocks of FX on telephones. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, so it's kind of like decentralized, right? Where you you call one broker, you go, give me a price. But are you saying that the, the broker giving you the price sort of through a centralized mechanism knows what the price should be? or Well, you've got, you've got so just to extend the FX analogy, yeah. you've got some trading on voice. It's a small percentage of the market, but it's still out there. You've got ECNs that are trading a lot. You've got futures that are huge. You've got centralized models. You've got weird order book rules on that are not price time priority out there. Yep. You've got bilateral credit. You've got central counterparty credit. You've got every flavor, you know, bilateral streams to avoid information leakage. You've got like every little possible way that you could connect one party and another to take risk, yep. you've got that in FX. And I think that crypto uh, and DeFi are going to kind of follow the same path where there are going to be use cases where a centralized exchange is the perfect solution for something. Uh, you know, DEXs are going to be interesting. I think AMMs uh, were just, just seeing the beginning stages of what they might do in markets. Uh, and, you know, Kind of let a thousand flowers bloom out there. Well, that's that's the that's the best part of crypto. Is yeah, creativity. see what lives. Yeah, no, it is interesting. What what's a dex? Is that digital exchange or a decentralized? Exchange. Decentralized exchange. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I knew that. That's like a. So I'm going to read a glossary at the end of the podcast, like the disclaimers on on car insurance ads, <laughs> like yeah. seven thousand words a minute. <laughs> we're we're learning. We're learning. What else have you got, John? <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I thought that we were gravitating towards the uh, the wrap up of the program. Maybe I'm wrong. But I you looked I, at me expectantly, as if I should have some other brilliant question. I think we've mostly gone through the, the list, haven't we? I've got a question for you guys. So, oh, oh yeah, God. here so, we go. This so, is good. So I, I X threw its hat in the ring pretty early with Pith. Like, was that a hard decision for you guys? Like, what what made you ape in? <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, no, we're definitely following this space, Dave. So fair question. But uh, this wasn't a hard decision for, for us to make. We watched that market as everyone is. We look at our own market. And we looked at Pit. We saw an opportunity to really learn uh, more about what's going on in the blockchain space, which everybody, and especially the guys on our tech team, you know, have a huge desire to do. And when you look at Pith, right, it's uh, looking to provide fair, transparent, and trustworthy pricing to the next generation financial applications. So it's it's trusted, it's fast technology. So of course it's something that we're interested in. We saw other regulated firms were involved in this too, Dave, like including yourselves, Jump Trading, GTS, HRT, and many others. And we wanted to see how we would get involved. So how IEX does it is through our wholly owned subsidiary, IEX Cloud. Uh, IEX Cloud take a node on the PIT network and they contribute IEX exchange data to that node. Uh, we've been doing that for several months now and uh, so far very successful. Yeah, cool. And do you see what's happening in DeFi and in crypto as a threat to your business model, as an opportunity? Like, how do you put that up on the, on the grid? I, I think for us, it's more of an opportunity, um, which is why we were so excited to get involved in this. But I, but I will, I will <laughs> hand on heart, I don't view it as a threat, but that might be me not seeing something, a fist coming to smack me in the face in a foggy <laughs> night. But uh, I, I will say, um, from an intellectual curiosity standpoint, and um, we're a relatively new exchange, uh, we, we think all of this stuff is exciting. So in the traditional security space, the space that we all know are, are, are securities, I don't think there's any big threat from it. And I think in terms of other um, uh, assets that, likely are securities or maybe classified as securities. There may be opportunities, um, certainly for more development and more um, regulated markets. Um, so, um, you know, we're, we're uh, you know, we have a sweet spot. That we asked the questions, Dave, not the guests. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's right. He that's threw John last for a loop time. Band. That's the last time we bring anybody on. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, these crypto guys are smart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. So we're going to ask you our question of questions. It's a question we ask every guest. We asked them uh, what their favorite Wall Street movie is and why. Oh, my God. So <laughs> I am I am 100% certain I'm going to give you an answer that you've never heard before. Really? Okay, yeah, let's know. see. We've had some screw We've ones. had some obscure ones. Yeah. So 2011 release, a film that you have not seen, I'm pretty certain of, called I Don't Know How She Does It. Wow, I, it, it, it's a certainly a provocative name. I don't, I've not heard that. Is that what it's called? I might have I've, I've never heard of it. Sarah Jessica Parker and Pierce Brosnan uh, with others. Yeah, it was called I Don't Know How She Does It. No. I, uh, a friend of mine was the producer, and he asked me to do content continuity so that nothing in the script it was, you know. Just way just off just base. Just so wrong, people would point at yeah. it and laugh. And, uh, I think it got a 17% rating. 
Rotten Tomatoes score. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, with, with those actors and actresses, you would expect it to do... So. Like, it must have been a crappy script. Yeah. And, uh, so why is that your favorite Mall Street movie well, and why? Because you were involved? Well, because <laughs> I, uh, I, I was nearly in it. Like, they needed a background actor, uh-huh. and I had to walk down the hallway past Pierce Brosnan. It was the end of the day at the office. And uh, they did four takes, and on one take, I didn't hear them say background action, and so I just stood there. And that was the take. <laughs> That's the take they That's took. That's the take they put in the movie. Yeah. So I, I just, I was this far away from getting my SAG card. Almost um, famous. Wow. So crazy. yeah. I figured, okay, you got yeah, us. That, no, that, no, one, no one ever that, came out with that, that one. Right. I don't know how she does it. Twenty eleven. We, uh, we might have to Google that a, one to rom- make sure that this is an official uh, submission. You know, I a rom com with a Wall Street tie-in. I'm curious to see it now, but it sounds like it may be hard to get. How could it not do well with those in it? Olivia Munn, Christina Hendricks, Greg Kinnear. Wow. Jesus. Yeah. Well, everybody does a dog. You had me at Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Mm. He, was, he was just vicious the after I missed the, the cue on the, on the oh, next really? one. He was angry with you? He was, like, he just, he was... He's like, line, so walk. So we, 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 we do the next take, and he walks past me, and he goes... Nice job. Very derisively. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Which was fantastic. Yeah. Nice job fucking walking, mate. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> That's First great. Time on a movie set. Yeah. Everybody, all our listeners, we can probably <laughs> all leave all. with something. Yeah. yeah. Well, we we appreciate you being on the podcast and what we always say, actually, now that we have you here in person, we can present you with them. Absolutely. Although I didn't bring him with me. John's wearing a pair. But we give every guest a a pair of their very own boxes and line socks. Yay! There you go. Applause. Oh, hold on. Dave just started dancing. Yeah. I love socks. I'm putting both fingers in the air. Boxes and line socks. (laughs) Both fingers in the air. They're not pointing at John. And now we're live. I stole that from Dave. (laughs) No, but thanks so much for being on the podcast. Wear the socks with pride. I will absolutely. It's been a pleasure, you guys. Uh, thanks for having me. It has been fun. You have definitely. Oh um, shit! I never pressed record. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> You've definitely gotten into the spirit of our podcast. Yeah. I don't know if that speaks well for you. You, you, you got to you, you come back. Mm-hmm. Thanks very much, Dave. We appreciate <laughs> absolutely. it. Absolutely. expressed in this podcast are provided for informational and educational purposes only, and IEX Group, Inc. and its affiliates do not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this podcast. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a solicitation or offer to buy or sell any securities or provide any investment advice or service. Some portions of the preceding conversations may have been edited for length or clarity. Copyright IEX Group, Inc. All rights reserved.